So what's the difference between a Bob Dylan impression and a Neil Diamond impression? What? Everything. What isn't the difference between a Bob oh, Dylan no, impression and a Neil done, Diamond impression? Oh, no, then you've never done both of them professionally. Dude. They're actually quite... Bob the, Dylan the and Neil Diamond? The root of it is like... Have you ever seen Bob Dylan in a rhinestone deep V-cut jumpsuit? Nay. I'm not the saying... The answer is I, nay. <laughs> that That I is like how different they are as people and as impressions. I feel like you're misunderstanding. It's the voice. I'm saying the voice is actually if if you talk no to no way no well, way then it do is em. bob bob do dylan em. maybe right maybe neil diamond sounds like bob dylan if it's neil diamond after like being awake for a week straight and then, not, and then given a sedative i'm not saying that they even sound alike i'm saying that the root of the voices it's when you talk to an impressionist they'll often tell you like how they do a voice and they'll say well i do this voice and i just do this to it and sometimes it's crazy because you're like how are those two voices related and then you realize oh yeah and i'm saying neil diamond and bob dylan are that way we're coming to america just, just singing neil diamond songs in a bob dylan-y voice does we're not make them sing. To america. <laughs> then you do your neil what's your neil diamond impression let me hear it I'm unpracticed. I'm not ready for the microphone. I would. Did it's more, you hang it's more the commanding? It's like chesting. We're coming to, to America. America. See? Did it's you like, hang little, the recording a, podcast sign on the outside of the door? Exactly. It's a little more. He's a little more news anchory. Right. And Bob Dylan is the sleepy version of that. Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from October 4th, 2020. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I am your host, Jay Neil Diamond Williams. <laughs> Is that what is that what people call you? That's what people call me, Robbie. Because <laughs> my voice sounds like Neil Diamond. I don't even does that is that sound like I don't think I've ever Has heard Neil Diamond talk. Ever told you that you sound like Neil Diamond? Did you no. just say you don't think you've ever heard Neil Diamond talk? I don't know if I've ever heard him actually speak. speak. Right, only sing. But I just imagine that he talks like this. That's yeah, what I imagine. Pretty close. It's pretty close. Hey, so do you remember? I got to do a follow-up from like a month ago or a couple months ago. Uh-huh. We were talking about uh, rodents in our ceilings and whatnot. Yes, I recall. Okay. So um, we had an appearance, a very special appearance by said rodent um, in the wee hours of the morning a few days ago. And, um, and so I don't know if this is the same rodent. I, I assume that there was one rodent in there and then it came out to say hi. Somehow got into our bathroom um, where our cat was prowling around, one of our cats. And so I woke up, that sounds it's still like a dark. cartoon waiting to happen. Well, it was. It turns out that evidently the, the, the mouse was uh, going for a swim in the water bowl, which I only know because, you know, there's evidence that the mouse had been in or near the water bowl. 
Okay. If you catch my drift. Yeah. Yeah. If you catch my drift. Uh, so what happened was that I just noticed the cat. I heard squeaking, and then I noticed the cat. The outline of the cat was kind of stalking back and forth in the bathroom, so I assumed the, the squeaking was coming from the wall. But it turns out, as soon as I saw our cat make a batting motion with its paw, and something, outline of something else, went skittering across the floor, I thought, oh, no, that's actually something. And it turns out it was a mouse came running out of our bathroom and our cat cornered it, which was amazing. So you never know how indoor cats are gonna respond to things like this. Okay. Because their lives, they're pretty pampered. They're not right. barn cats. Right. And most of the people in our church know of outdoor cats, but the indoor ones, they're barely cats. Like they just- They're living a pretty cushy life. A pretty cushy life. And so it was really good to see our one cat, Chief, go after and corner the mouse. Our other cat, the dopey one, Fuzz, got up and we tried to prop him up. He was asleep on our bed and I tried to prop him up and said, go, go help your sister, go deal with this mouse. And he jumps, he kind of, well, he doesn't jump up. He kind of gets up, stretches, yawns, looks over there, hops down off the bed and walks past, looks at the mouse and his sister cornering the mouse yawns, walks past, and goes and gets a drink out of, drink of water. That's not helpful. And it's not at all. He is the worthless cat. He's also the one that causes more damage, so I don't know what to do with him. He's He just doesn't had no interest. We kept putting him in the situation to try to corner and help with the mouse, and he showed little to no, no interest. interest. No interest. Um, okay. But the other one achieved a medal of honor. I don't know what you give a feline, a feline heart. I don't know. But she cornered the mouse and then my wife so here's where it gets good cornered and so, captured or just had it no, cornered cornered had it cornered this is where it gets good this is where you say what is the point am i like if you've skipped past to this point this is where the story gets good my wife i got her so i did what any self-respecting husband would do i ran out to the garage and got boots and gloves for my wife to put on to go get the mouse it's very courageous of you it was. I was a servant heart is what it was. I, I saw her going in there with bare feet and bare hands, and I thought, how can I help in this situation? I can get you boots and gloves so that you can get the mouse. Chivalry so I do. is not dead. Chivalry is not dead. And she's so appreciative. I said, honey, here are some boots and gloves for you to put on. And so she did. And my wife, who was born in the city, raised in the city, had lived her entire life in the city until we moved here. She reaches and grabs that mouse and shoves it in a bag and seals the bag and goes out and disposes of the mouse. Bravo. I believe she's the one who deserves the award. I Well, here's what we discovered. The males in our house are borderline worthless, hmm. and the females in our house are the courageous ones. Huh. Because... Chief is a girl cat. Okay. And is the one and, who cornered the mouse. Yes. Okay. And Fuzz, the worthless one, is the boy cat, huh. the brother. So he and I did not, we did not test out well in that time. Well, perhaps it was the, the ferocity of the opponent that was, that was the issue. Maybe if it was a more docile, harmless creature, you would have, you would have felt more courageous in that moment. I don't even know what to do with that. I feel like, um, yeah, I, that's ridiculous. 
I think you should have gone the other it. way. Trying to spin it? No, what? you spin it the other way. Oh. Say like if I would have felt like it was more of a threat, then I would have stepped oh. up. Oh, I'm not that good at spin. Sorry, I tried my best. Uh, Robbie, I'm trying to help you help me. <laughs> and you're not. So that's what happened. So the mystery solved. We actually had people look over, at, and it looks like, it looks like that was the that was the critter. And now he's well, gone. Congratulations on solving that. So yeah. that's perhaps not your wheelhouse. You you help people in other ways, Jay, like Sunday. I thought that was a helpful <laughs> message. That was this such a good transition. Thank you for saving our people. You're welcome. That's Everyone. so bad. I feel like we should. Oh, that's a good lead-in. Because I, that was that not a, a strong p- intro. That's a perfect lead-in to what what I was hoping you would talk about a little bit today. Yeah. So we were talking about this earlier. So normally, so this past weekend, what? <laughs> it's like a, that was a perfect lead-in to how I want to talk about how sometimes you're really, really bad at communication, but that's okay. Right. Yeah. That was that was you encouraging me and building me up. So Jay, let's talk about other places you failed. Oh, like last Sunday. So it may shock you that um, if you if you teach regularly, like or preach regular regularly, you aren't always super excited about how things go. Um, and that's a that's just a big lesson that you learn as as you gain experience that um, that it doesn't it's not really dependent on you. Yeah. Um, but. This past Sunday, we met inside for the first time, three services, and I just, without no no excuses, I just ran out of gas in the first in the third service. I almost said the first service. In, I ran out of gas. In, in your defense, we jumped from one service to three services over the course yeah. of a week. That's that's right. a pretty big deal, and um, and that's that's difficult. I, take, I don't know about you, but it takes a lot out of me. I mean, especially as an introvert, like that is a lot of extroverted energy to, to pour out over an extended period of time. And so that, that takes quite a bit out of me. So I can certainly empathize with running out of gas by the third service. Yeah. I mean, and I'm an extrovert, so I kind of got lulled into thinking I was fine. Like after the second service, I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm in a rhythm. Let's go. And about 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes into the message, probably five minutes felt like longer my brain turned to mush and just things couldn't connect Mm. and I um I really struggled through it but here's what's crazy um so I I I sat down and I shared this during third service and if so if you weren't at third service then you don't know that this happened because there's we've destroyed all evidence of it um (laughs) so uh if you were watching it live on this online or you were here with us in person are the only ways that you saw me run out of gas. And I, I went back, I, I, I sat down and I thought that was a train wreck. I mean, that was, I didn't think it was one of my stronger messages anyway in the first two services, but then I felt like an incoherent mess. And I sat down. Which I is just an thought, overstatement. As an observer, I I should add a footnote here that says this is Jay is speaking hyperbolically, or no, actually not not about how you're feeling yeah, about no, it. No, I felt yeah, that you're, way. You're I mean, actually feeling that way, but it was not it it was not the incoherent ramblings of an insane person. It <laughs> to to the observer, it it felt fair, it felt quite coherent. But I like that you said fairly. You started start to, say to say fairly. Say fairly. It felt, <laughs> felt like you know. It was. I mean, C minus. Yeah. It felt, you know, so you're saying it was an F. I don't think so. But 
So I, I sit down and immediately the first thought that pops in my head is that was a train wreck. What in the world were you just doing? And and then this week we had you lead corporate prayer afterwards. Yes. And what and the first thing that you said was you you are encouraging people to pray and you asked what is God saying to you right now? And it was such like just that moment. I wasn't thinking about that coming next. I just sat down and the voice in my head was that was a train wreck, likely useless. I sure hope nobody was watching that online. Nobody could possibly be helped by this. And you you asked that question. I hear that question. What is God saying to you? And I immediately a voice came in my head saying, not that, hmm. not the things that you're hearing right now. And I heard, I felt the impression of God saying that it's not dependent on you. You it is not on your eloquence or your articulation of any of these things. It was a stark reminder that he lets me participate in his work hmm. and, and, and just this encouragement and this confidence. And what's interesting is I got um, as much feedback after that service, encouraging feedback as I do, which I've come to expect. I've basically just come to expect that God, the way God works in this with me anyway, is the worse I feel about the message, the more positive feedback I get. Right. And the right. times I feel like I nailed it, I get nothing. Or sometimes that's where I get the angry email. And it's just, it's almost comical at this point of like, how much more does he need to show me that it is dependent on him, not, not on my articulation of the topic. Mm. Man, that's so good. Oh. That's so important. I, I would like to comment that on that, but I have one quick question. Sure. Is there a ghost in your office? Okay. I was wondering if that's being picked up on right now. It's the ghost of that mouse <laughs> is what it is. It sounds that like mouse you have is several cartoon me. ghosts. Yeah. In your office, going, like, what's happening in there? It's a windy day, and I evidently I live in a. I, my office is in the uh, wind tunnel. I don't know. Okay. Is it, do you have a window open that can be closed? No, no that's just I have it is. nothing. Okay. It is just that's the noise of the window. Just out there, felt so. like we need to address that yeah. so that I also we need can to clarify, acknowledge it, and move on. Right. I need to clarify that something that the mouse was alive when Lauren released it. <laughs> So I know I'm going to go home, and when she hears this, she's going to say, I didn't kill the mouse. Yes, I know. You rescued the mouse and released it into the wild. Good thing. So it is, so it is not eaten. the mouse that is haunting well, your could office be. right now. But I can't imagine that mouse's life expectancy Casper. was long. Okay. I think it was injured, and I don't know, whatever. Anyway, so, okay, yeah. So that's some, that's some anyway. wind that we have no control over. So Correct. That's, that's Correct. Excellent. Okay, so moving right along. Uh, I Please. I was so encouraged, first of all, that the fact that, that you shared that, that you came up and just as part of the benediction were willing to confess that. I think that's so important to acknowledge that that we can feel that, that we can have that sense of this was not enough. I did not do a good job. I I mean, and, and you might not necessarily articulate it this way, but you can literally feel like, man, I just messed up God's plan. Like, I, I just rendered him powerless in my poor communication of this thing. And and the enemy just just attacks you on that level, right? I mean, it's so easy for him to just lean into that. He doesn't have to say anything other than, yep, 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 and, and just 
and just poke at that that sense of self-doubt and and self-criticism of like man that how how could god possibly use that and then as you said like so often the the spirit responds by saying uh like this and then you hear from people of like this is how it spoke to me this is how it spoke to me and and i i have to wonder in those moments like is that really because i messed that up or is that because in you know in my you know hopefully by god's grace sensitivity to the spirit i feel prompted to say something but because it's not in my notes and because it doesn't fit in that perfect flow that I created in in this sermon, which I say very tongue-in-cheek, right. um, it feels like, oh, I did a bad job communicating this, when actually it's the Spirit saying, you are actually about to do a bad job communicating this, so let me help you out and say what really needs to be said in this moment, because more often than not, those are the things that are most impactful to the hearer. Yeah, I, well, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. And so this is why it's important. So this isn't just about preaching. I mean, this Certainly. is about, this is, uh, I've heard so many times from people, this is why we decided, hey, let's talk about this in the podcast. I've heard so many times from people who say, I had an opportunity to share the gospel or to encourage somebody or to disciple somebody, and I just feel like I blew it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I, I messed it up. I said all the wrong things. I stumbled over. I think I did it wrong. And... And I just, I want people to know you're not alone in that. That's not unique. That's not a unique feeling. That's how anybody who wants to be used by God is going to feel um, at times. And and I, I think the response, the Christian response is we want to we wanna embrace that. We don't want to run from that. Because the reality is that most of the time when, I, when I'm judging a sermon on how well I think it went, to my shame, it's I'm comparing it to how I wanted it to go. Like, did it? Did I communicate it the way I the way I wanted to communicate it? The way that I thought about it earlier, the way I wrote about it earlier, and that's the measuring stick. Which, when you think about it, is pretty silly measuring stick. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. not at all what actually has value. What actually has value is Christ being exalted and people responding to that. To Christ, not not people walking away thinking, "Wow, that was a really well articulated sermon." Right. Paul Paul even goes so far as to say, "I intentionally chose not to come to you with well crafted words, but but right. just gave you Christ crucified, like because I didn't want you to falsely assume it's because I articulated this so well." Which, which I mean, the, the, so many ways that we can fall into this trap, right? We can we can assume, "Oh man, I was so." impacted by that sermon when really we were impacted by a really clever turn of phrase which mm-hmm. which is great i'm not saying a clever turn of phrase is is a, is a bad thing but if what really excited me was the way that person phrased that thing and not actually the content of what they were saying if if i can't if it's not just as impactful you know i, I one person said to me like i that that before they ever lead a song and a worship song they they just read the lyrics no music nothing and if they aren't moved by the lyrics alone they're not going to lead that song hmm. because otherwise all it means is it was a clever melody 
that's stirring you in that. It's the, you know, it's the drum bill, the swell that, that, that stirs you. And it's not actually the truth of what's being proclaimed that is stirring you. And so that's not a win. So I, yeah. It, it is, is this a place where I can, I can push back on that? Do it. So I think that that just goes, though, to our evangelical church's fascination with words. I think it's theology and songs. Obviously, we think that's incredibly important. But I don't, I think, I, I don't want to discredit the intangibles. So, um, like, passion matters. Like, Paul talks about that. Like, you saw, you saw my passion. Like, you know how convinced I am of this. Um, there, there is something to be said for those like so music swelling and doing all that is all done to glorify God like we don't want false emotions but I don't think um, I don't think that they're always just completely mutually exclusive does that make sense I would never argue that they are mutually exclusive and, right. and not only that I would I would I would also argue yeah you're not pushing back you're just you're you're stepping into nuance now so, so this person's argument is if it's only the music that is stirring mm-hmm. you, that's not good corporate worship because that's not, you're not actually really participating in that way. That's, that was their argument that, that they're, it's supposed to be connecting me to a, a reality. Now, the reason we don't say, therefore, all acapella sung in monotone with no rhythm, like the reason we don't go that far is because music itself is a gift from God. There is something extraordinary about the fact that you can listen to a piece of music that doesn't have a single word in it and it can make me cry. Mm-hmm. There's like that's something that God has placed in us and is something extraordinary that we tap into. That's why we 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 do those swells and we do those things. Their their argument was simply that doesn't that doesn't trump. We don't say, "Hey, this the the lyrics of this thing are vapid and Christless." But man, that bridge just really right. pumps me up. Like if if that's the case, then we can be playing Coldplay or Metallica or like you know, just what's your favorite music that stirs you up? We can bring in the. Uh, it's not Coldplay. No, I know. I yeah, I, those neither of those are <laughs> here. But the point just being like, dude, like th- their music stirs emotion in you as well so there has to be something what is it that makes it congregational worship and and so yeah i agree it, it can't be one at the exclusion of the other um but it's also understanding like what is it that's moving me in this moment and coming back to we don't say it's wrong to carefully choose your words you and i both right. pour a lot of time and effort into making sure that we're communicating well and accurately but at the end of the day, if it's my clever way of saying it that moves you and not the actual truth of who Christ is and what he's done, that's a net loss. That is not a win. It is, which again points back to why it often fe- feels like those moments when we're most like stumbling over our words that that somebody feels most impacted by that, which and we've joked about. like when some, There are some of those sermons that we come up that we finish up and someone comes up to us and says, man, that just really moved me. And my knee-jerk response, what I want to say is, no, it didn't. That was terrible. Like, you right. are wrong. If you were impacted by that, you were doing something yeah. wrong because that was awful. But but over time, we, you and I have both learned that's how the Spirit does some of his best work in 
Like, I don't get any of the glory for that. He gets 100% of the glory for that, and that's fantastic. Well, and that's why it's so it's so important to understand, yes, it's important that we are able to articulate the gospel. And we talk about gospel fluency, and, and the words that we say matter. But if you are paralyzed in talking to someone, sharing the gospel with someone, for example— if you're paralyzed by a fear that you're not going to articulate it properly or that it is your articulation, if you feel the weight that it is your articulation or answers to a particular argument that are going to convince someone, then you're just way off base. I'll like, never that's do not, it. You know, you'll, and you'll never, yeah, you'll never share the gospel because that's a terrifying thing to put on your shoulders. So, you know, when Paul says that that, that passage that you um, alluded to, Robbie, is, um, you know, it's 1 Corinthians 2, and the beginning of 1 Corinthians 2, and Paul says, I'm just going to read it. He says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Christ, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I mean, that's, I would encourage people just, just to let that ring and, and, and read that later and just consider that. But that's obviously Paul's... well-communicated message right. about not having to communicate <laughs> right. well. Right, but here's why, yeah, and exactly. And, and obviously we know Paul says a lot more than just Jesus Christ and him crucified. Certainly. But his point here is that his goal was not to impress them or to convince them intellectually or to win a debate. You know, right. I, remember, um, I remember being invited over to a friend's house, uh, Mormons, uh, neighbors of ours, they invited us over um, basically for practice. It was batting practice for new missionaries that had moved into the area. For you or for them? For them. Like, so they said, would you come over? We have new missionaries in the area and we just want them to talk to you. And um, I said, well, that'd be fun. And so they were like 18 or 19 years old um, and were terrified because they heard that this Baptist preacher was coming over. And so for them, that meant like, oh, gosh, here we go. And I just listened. And, and I, I think I gently, I asked a few questions. I read a little bit of scripture. I gently just, you know, but we just had a good conversation. I gently pushed back a little bit. But I, I was, um, you know, if you know me at all, you know that I like to argue and I like to debate and um but in, in this moment, I, I, was, I was definitely what I would consider gentle. And they'd asked me later, um, this family that we're friends with, they said, man, I'm a little surprised that you didn't. I think they were surprised and we were surprised that you were so basically so gentle with them. And I, I just said, well, like, look, I mean, you know what I believe. And I, and I you know, shared the gospel again there. But I said, I don't, I don't gain anything by winning a debate with a scared 19-year-old kid. That doesn't, that doesn't exalt Christ at all. Um, what exalts Christ is, is to love them and, and to point them to the Jesus of the Bible and to hopefully ask them questions that um, would make them consider him. But I don't, I don't gain anything for the kingdom by just 
intellectually bullying a a 19 year old kid Mm. and um i i felt like god was really gracious to me in that time to like just bring that lesson home to realize that's not our goal and so that's what paul's saying like he's he's not paul is incredibly intelligent and paul likely could have destroyed and he does a couple times he destroys and even talks about taking captive and destroying the these arguments and these worldviews and um but it's the power of christ that does it and you look at why like why is that so important and it's because he doesn't want their faith to be based on his intellect or his charisma it's got to be based on christ Hmm. and so hopefully that's an encouragement even as you're sharing the gospel that if you come to people with humility and actually in your weakness, that's far more compelling than when you come at people with prepackaged answers and trying to refute their arguments and trying to defeat them in in arguments. That's that's rarely effective. Um, there are very few people who have been able to do that in a winsome way. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, the late Ravi Zacharias, is one of them that you... You could watch him obliterate someone with an intellectual argument, but do it with the demeanor of a grandfather who just loves their child, right. you know, or their grandson. Right. It like was it's, a, it was a gift, an extraordinary gift. It was. Gift. It's a very extraordinary gift. But still there, the overriding theme, the thing that was so winsome was his compassion and his kindness and his respect for people. And, and so if you have that, if you come at people with that, then you will um, – You'll be amazed at the fruit that will come out of that, even though you think that you didn't articulate things very well or you didn't answer their question well. So I don't know if this is helpful or not, but what what about? So you you alluded to it. So uh, that that Second Corinthians reference of destroying strongholds, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's really I destroy we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. So what how do you respond to the person who hears that and says no you're being you're being soft and I'm going to you know I'm going to throw out my proof text that says we're supposed to destroy arguments and and every opinion that's a, against the knowledge of God um you know maybe maybe Ravi wasn't firm enough in that and and was too compassionate like what what's what would be your response to that um I mean, my my first response is would be that who is Paul? Who is he destroying that for the benefit of? Like it's it's the building up of the church. So to me, that's more like we do that. We destroy strongholds and 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 what we would consider to be sinful thinking or wrong thought patterns or philosophies or worldviews that come in and and can lead people astray. But it's protecting the flock. Like we don't, um, it's it's benefiting them, and so hmm. I I don't I don't think what Paul is is getting at there, and and you can certainly push back against this if you if you want to. I I don't think what Paul's getting at there is that we go out and we destroy the people who hold those worldviews, and and we destroy them along with it. I think he's saying like these worldviews are coming into the church. And so we're preaching and building up and equipping the church, and in doing that, we we are going to destroy the um, the idols and the philosophies and the worldviews and the strongholds that would come and and would seek to deceive and lead astray the sheep. Yeah. 
No, I think that's I think that's a, a great response. I yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't push back on that at all. I would I would in fact double down on that because that's a, almost positive. That's the same passage where Paul talks about um, and and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Right. So as he's talking about destroying arguments and lofty opinions, I certainly that would apply to you and I helping each other in that. But he. Uh, Oh yeah, it's literally the same sentence. We destroy yeah. arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Well, I can't take your thoughts captive. No. But I can certainly take my own. So it, it, there's there's a sense of this is an this is an internal battle. This is an in-house battle, not I'm marching down the street dismantling every worldly opinion of people who aren't even seeking Christ, but 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 this is a like we 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 work we war to to not allow these worldly opinions to seep into our hearts and the church in order to dismantle it in that in that sense. But we we take those captive and obey Christ. Yeah, and I think also what's implied in this is, you know, he says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So. There's a lot of different ways to destroy and to dismantle something. That doesn't that doesn't mean that it's done aggressively or in some kind of condescending way. It just means that you that you kind of obliterate it, which could be like if you think about a Jenga tower, it could be just popping out one little piece that brings the whole thing collapsing down. And it can actually be it could be it's this doesn't this doesn't mean that it's without gentleness or kindness or respect. Um, I found I found if it's helpful at all. I mean, I found with with people, you know, often when I'm talking with people who are not Christ followers, they everybody has a worldview. Like everybody has a some system of thought that they have kind of come to a conclusion that this is how the world works. Certainly. There's always some place where they seek comfort. There's always something that they are putting their hope in. There's always something that they're that they desire and that they're pursuing, and there's always something that they're afraid of or trying to protect themselves from or running away from. And I've actually found that just getting people to talk about those and asking them um, those those questions and and then to just listen to them and and then sometimes to just ask really really soft questions that I don't even need. I'm not. My goal in those moments is not to get them to realize in that moment, oh man, I've been so wrong. Um, sometimes that's happened, but then, but more often it's, it's more just asking questions of like, so how, basically the version of how is that working? How's that working for you? Right. What, like how, right. what, where have you seen fruit in that? If it was going to work, it would probably be working by now. Right. And, and I, I just ask that like, as I'm on their side, cause I am on their side because when I'm sharing with somebody, I want them to find hope. I want them to have meaning. I want them to be relieved of their fears. And I want to see their desires, like their true desires fulfilled. I want that for them. So I'm asking these questions as their ally in that conversation. And more often than not, when you do that, people are really honest about how that is working out. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes, you know, often it's it's not really well. And then you you the door is open, as Peter says, to give an answer for the hope that is in you. And I think that's to be able to say like, well, this is why I'm not afraid during this election or why I'm not afraid of 
of the pandemic, but yet why I function in this way, like why I, why I advocate wearing masks, um, because the world can only see, well, if you're wearing that, then you must be afraid and you say, well, no, I, I'm not, I, I cannot be controlled by this thing. I can be motivated by Christ who compels me to think in this way and to, you know, to function in this way. So, Sorry, that was a, that was kind of long winded of saying like we have to be careful too of what what does it even mean to destroy because by just asking someone gently from their side as an ally like is that is that working for you like have you found hope in that thing that could be enough to completely dismantle and destroy the stronghold of some worldview on their heart that has blinded them to the truth of the gospel you just don't know. Man, what I love so much about that is in, in asking that, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work in them rather than me trying to force that work upon them by, right. by my argumentation. The, I mean, if we can, assuming we can trust the Word of God, then literally the sentence leading up to that verse answers the question, right? Mm-hmm. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. And then it goes on to say, we destroy arguments. So the by the time he gets to verse 5 there and talking about destroying arguments, he's already said, but we don't do that by means of the flesh. We don't do that by means right. of arguments. We don't, we don't meet the flesh with the flesh, thinking that's going to defeat it. We, um, in, in the way of... of Paul elsewhere saying in, in Romans 12, I think it is of, uh, you know, we, we defeat evil with good, right? We overcome rather evil with good. Um, we don't overcome the flesh with the flesh. We overcome the flesh with the spirit, which changes our approach, which circling back around in, in our proclamation of the gospel, either in our personal lives with people that we're in relationship with, or on a Sunday morning from the pulpit, it is not by the flesh and no. uh, that that anything of of eternal value is accomplished it is only ever by divine power and and that's emboldening that's the reason why knowing there's a good chance that i'm going to botch it up i can still get up there on a sunday morning as anxious as i get as fearful as i get like it's still like it's still public speaking and According to most recent studies, that's still the number one fear. More people are afraid of public speaking than death. So, like, that's still, and, like, I feel that every single time I get up. Like, it's still very overwhelming, both in a fleshly sense and in the weighty sense of not only am I speaking publicly, but I am trying to handle the word of the living God in a in a helpful and accurate way. Like, all of that would would be more than enough for me to say, I don't need to ever do that again, but it's, it's this, it's this reminder of, right. but it's not according to the flesh. It's according to divine power. And, and he can take my feeblest effort and, and turn into something extraordinarily profound. Yeah. And, and so I hope, I hope that people are, are getting this. I know I said it earlier, but this is not this is not just about preaching. That's the context that this sparked this conversation. But uh, you know, if for parents, as you're instructing your children, or if you're sharing the gospel with your coworker or your neighbor, or you're trying to disciple someone younger in the faith, 
if you believe that the pressure is on you to say everything correctly and to cover everything thoroughly, then that's just a weight that you can't bear. And and Christ has has given us an easy yoke. Like the, the burden is light and the yoke is easy. I it's he's not kidding. He's not lying. He's saying he's actually he's carrying the weight. He's the mm-hmm. one that does the work. Mm-hmm. And and just in our love and joy, we get to be like little children who don't have to articulate everything perfectly. Now, of course, we want to because we want to be helpful. But it's not, you know, God has done so much over the years, not just in preaching. Like he's done so much through bad sermons um, in my life, both the ones that I've preached and ones that I've listened to. Um, he's And he's done so much in, in conversations over coffee or conversations with my kids um, where my weakness has made way for, for the power of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think we just shouldn't run away from that. We should not be afraid to say, I don't know. We should not be afraid that, um, that we were too, too gentle or too kind or too compassionate and that we got to make sure that we, we make it really clear what, what we believe in this area or what we think about this. It just, nobody nobody's ever won over by those i mean if you don't if you don't believe me i mean how if if you just look at social media look at facebook like how how often is anybody's mind changed by just more information from a certain point of view i mean you we we're so good at posting articles that we think oh and this says it in the perfect way well this thing like if you read if you just read this then you'd be convinced has that ever worked ever it's never like it, it does not matter how articulate the person is if the person already agreed with you they think it's amazing they probably didn't even read it but they think it's amazing and the person who doesn't agree with you already thinks it's the dumbest thing they've ever seen even if they didn't read it yep. and and the same thing goes for our our arguments or anything that you share with somebody if the spirit is opening eyes and hearts then speaking in the spirit will be received and incredible things will happen. But in the flesh, we can do nothing. Hmm. So there you go. I that's hope good. that's encouraging. I feel like that turned discouraging. I meant for it to go encouraging. And then I was like. the uh, You mean ending with uh, you can do nothing? Yeah. And with the whole like Facebook illustration. Uh, no, I think that's helpful. I think it's, uh, I think it's very practical and. Uh, the good news is, even if that was a really terrible illustration, the Holy Spirit is bigger <laughs> than that, and it is so not good. the flesh. I walked right into that. But divine power, Jay. I, seriously, I was not even thinking that. I just walked right into that. I, I, I just think, I think with my kids, I'll, I'll end with this illustration because this is more articulate and will be more convincing. Um, I, I have taught my kids more about repentance by in in my weakness than I ever have in my articulate lectures or sermons and hmm. I think I think we just need to keep that in mind that the most the best thing that's why I shared what I did at the end of the third service that's why I confessed that and told people that because I've just learned that God has blessed ministry through me far more through my weakness and my and and humility and um than he has in 
ever in me trying to present that I know exactly what I'm saying at all times and that I'm fully firm in every conclusion and every thought um, because I'm not. And I'm trying to figure this out and trying to follow Jesus like everybody else. And when you're sharing the gospel with someone, letting them know that, showing them that you follow Christ in our in, in our weakness and not in our strength, mm-hmm. well, what better testimony can you give to the power of Christ and to his goodness? So that's a great way to finish we are grateful uh, for you guys taking the time to listen we do hope that it is encouraging and we ask that if you have questions of your own either just in your own daily uh, study of the word or coming out of a Sunday sermon we would love the opportunity to be able to unpack that Um, so please email those to us text us uh, when you bump into us on a Sunday ask away We love having an opportunity to be able to continue the discussion from Sunday mornings. We love you, church.